The Monday Rewind. Pop is incredible. It feels incredible. It's such bizarre circumstances as well. Um, God, it was such a tough game to watch. It was an incredible match for a play to England. And, uh, yeah, it, like, I just thought, I thought it was gone at times in that second half. So it's incredible. It's an amazing feeling. Do it two years in a row. I think it's the first time in 65 years. Um, you know, it's brilliant for Irish rugby provinces. Brilliant. The referee is sent oh, no. That's absolutely incredible. He has played 35 seconds of this second half. I've let my teammates and, and the manager down today, and even more importantly, let all the supporters down. So I take full responsibility for my action. This is the rewind on News Talk. What a weekend it was for Ireland let's hope we get another big one next week because we've become kind of selfish now Martin O'Neill's team taking on Poland in the Euro qualifiers we've got more on that shortly with uh, Stephen Reid David Myler and John Anderson we'll also have a lot more on the Six Nations wins for the men's and the women's teams uh, congratulations also by the way to the Irish women's hockey team who reached the Olympic qualifier tournament next June they got to the World League 2 final in Dublin on Sunday which was in itself enough to get through but they went on to beat Canada on penalties which was a bit of a bonus. As well as all that, there's Waterford manager Derek McGrath on promotion and how he thinks maybe it's come a bit sooner than expected. And Wexford manager Liam Dunn talks about the disappointment of staying in 1B. Now, the way it works is you can avoid promotion or not get promotion but still get a Division 1 quarter-final. That's what Wexford had done. They'll play Cork next weekend. We'll have more on that and the rest of the games that are on. We can only start in one place, though, and Saturday is it. What a dramatic day. Dramatic doesn't seem to justify the kind of day it was. I would say you couldn't write the script. Sports commentators say that all the time. I think it's a silly statement. Well, you probably could have written the script, but I'm not sure anyone would have believed it. The excitement levels hit 11. Let's relive a thoroughly exciting day with Conor Murray, Sean O'Brien and Johnny Sexton. An incredible second half performance from Wales, putting 47 points on the board. But will that late concession of a try to Leonardo Sato cost them? Italy 20, Wales 61. We, we did hear the, the Welsh result, but that doesn't... It, it, you're aware of it, but it doesn't affect how you, how, you, how you approach the game. You know, we knew we'd probably have to win by um, a, a margin. We didn't know what that was going to be, so we just prepared all week to, to give ourselves a, the best possible chance of, of scoring points and, and, and getting that points difference. Um, you know... And for a lot of us, you know, the last time we were here in Murrayfield, we got beaten, and we know how good Scotland are. So, you know, I think Scotland were good today. They looked really dangerous, especially on counter attack with the likes of Stuart Hogg coming back. You know, he ran a lot back and, and made a lot of yards and, and caused us a lot of worry. So, you know, for us to respond to that and, and score the points we did is very, very satisfying. Johnny Gray get him down and then over for the try. Paul O'Connell emerges. And the captain scores within four minutes. You know, we built the Wales game up. You know, it was obviously Paulie's 100 cap. It was a, a grand slam potential game, you know, and, and we were very disappointed with the with the performance. You know, we were, we were proud of ourselves the way we came back and, and uh, attacked that game and nearly nearly got a, something of a result. Um, you know, Tuesday was a, a bit of a flat session and Paulie said his words, you know, and, and he's been through this before and, and you know when he talks, he, he's, he's speaking the truth and he, he has experience to back it up so you... you you quickly take on board what he's telling you. So he just told us to, you know, over the next day when we had Wednesday off, just just think about the game, think about how special it could be and, and uh, came back in Thursday and had a really good session. And today, you know, there were murmurs like from outside about points difference and all that, but he, he's been through like 
many times at Munster, you've, you've seen it before, you know, he's been through those type of games where they needed four tries or whatever, and he was just talking about the performance, first 10 minutes, first first contact in the game, your first moment, and just try and win that, and then go from there and try and build on it. So he's, he's obviously an incredible leader, and we're, we're very lucky to have him. Lining up out wide for Ireland, O'Brien carries it in himself, stretches and scores! Try number two for O'Brien, another one for Ireland. This title may be theirs. You know, I think we executed very well and, um, you know, we've done all we could do, I think, out there today. So hopefully um, it goes a long way. You've got one hand on this championship. What are you going to do for the next couple of hours? Yeah, we're going to be waiting very anxiously and, um, you know, we'll be, our eyes will be glued to the, the England game. Jerome? Yeah. Yeah, it's a knock-on. Scrum green. Knock-on by? Yeah. By the uh, 15 What blue. a tackle that was by Jimmy so Heasley. Scrum. scrum five, green ball. Maybe, <laughs> maybe a championship winning tackle. Oh, it was unbelievable. He's saying he doesn't, he doesn't know if he meant it or not. Yeah, I think it was the one flailing arm that got him in the end. But yeah, no, it's just another one of them things that kind of added to the day. Yeah. Match is over. It is a record equaling win for Ireland. Scotland have been laid to waste here at Murrayfield. We said a record equaling one. Smiles from Joe Schmidt. Will it be a championship winning one? We were all watching it together and, uh, you know, in a room with, you know, a couple of hundred people and then, you know, to have, I don't know how many people stayed after the game, how many Irish people stayed in the stadium, but to go out and celebrate with them after was, you know, probably the highlight of uh, my career so far. An extraordinary game here at Twickenham is going to end. The title after this colossal battle between England and France is going to Ireland. Every player in the squad knows how hard it is to win one game in the Six Nations, let alone a back-to-back championship. So it was mentioned during the week. We were like, you don't, you're not hidden from it. You're aware of, of the potential history and, and how long it's been. You know, you, you can try and shield yourself from it, but it does filter in somehow. Um, but you kind of put it to the side and you just focus on performance by performance. And now you can look back and, and be really proud of, of what we've achieved. Well, this is the rewind on News Talk. We'll be back to rugby shortly. We'll have more on the women's squads win. While in hurling, we'll hear from Waterford's Derek McGrath and Wexford's Liam Dunn, as well as Brian Cody, Davy Fitzgerald, and Jerk Cunning. First though, it's the Premier League and Ireland's upcoming meeting with Poland next Sunday at the Aviva. We're going to cover both. We'll talk with David Myler and John Anderson soon. But first, Stephen Reid analysed Liverpool's 2-1 loss to Manchester United at Anfield with off-the-balls matchday commentator Dave McIntyre. A win, by the way, which leaves United five points clear of Liverpool with eight games remaining. Well, it's a huge milestone, I think. We've seen the reaction now of the, the Man United fans, the atmosphere was electric. I don't think there's any other game in the Premier League that quite matches this this atmosphere, the intensity of this game. And This was a huge game on the back of the Tottenham game uh, last week where they performed so well. I think there's question marks raised whether they could do it back-to-back games, whether they'd finally found that form that has been lacking for most of this season despite having a decent run in the league. But I think they've shown today there's a, there's a mentality, there's a belief in this side that they can go on and achieve something whether that's this season or whether it's still a, a project being built it being built remains to be seen so where do you think this new look Manchester United has come from it's only three weeks ago when they limped to a rather lucky win at Newcastle then they were beaten by Arsenal in a pretty tepid second half display in the FA Cup and their last two games they brought this tempo this zest this confidence and this finishing prowess where it seemed utterly absent before that where has it come from I think there's, a, there's almost a sense of, I know we spoke before the game about the, the same starting eleven being the, the team from last week, but over recent weeks I still feel that it's a, a side that's almost been 
thrown together with, with what's been bought. There's been no, no real fluidity about the way they've played, but they've almost found a, a system now to, to suit the personnel that he's got and the personnel that have been playing well. Fellaini's almost made himself impossible to drop, but in a full-strength Man United team, does, does Mauro, Mauro and Fellaini fit into that? I'm not sure the way they want to play, but you have to say at this moment in time, you could say that he's Man United's best player. Obviously, Mata will get most of the headlines for his goals today, but something that may not be overly discussed in the weeks to come might be that little partnership that Louis van Gaal has now between Michael Carrick and Angel Herrera. It just seems to be giving them the platform to control games. They dominated possession today, 58%. They passed Tottenham off the pitch last weekend. How important are those two in tandem now for them? Well, I'd, I'd argue Carrick, at the moment, more important than, than Herrera. Herrera's fine. He looks like he's starting to cement a little role for himself in the centre midfield. He just goes about his business efficiently and, and quietly, but you know that through ball to, to Juan Mata was, was exquisite. Moreno was caught well out of position, but the ability to play that pass was first class, and looking at the points record with Carrick in the side this season to when he's out the side, just tells you what an important piece of the jigsaw, jigsaw he is. I know he's signed a, an extension to his contract, and you know, you'd say that it's going to be a big part of their, their, their future next season, that's for sure. Do you see Manchester United as being a side that could really challenge next season if they continue the way they are now or how much do we have to maybe just hang on before we judge them because we've really only seen two decent performances in a row now I still think they're, they're some way off Chelsea that's for sure I know they're gaining a bit of ground now on, on Man City but in terms of the, the opposition we've come up, come up against this season Chelsea are, are streets ahead you know we went to Old Trafford not too long ago absolutely battered them in the first half this is a, a Burnley side we're talking about with all due respect to our to our own side and our, our own players but you know against Chelsea when we, we certainly played them first game of the season that they just got so much more strength in depth if you like I think it's going to be a almost a rebuilding process again for Man United in the summer I'd, also, I'd, I'd possibly argue that Angel Di Maria could be sacrificed if that brings in certainly 50 to 60 million to then rebuild and, and go again he could be the, the, the main player in danger. I think Falcao will be will be heading back to Monaco. I don't think they're obviously going to take up their, their option to take him. So it's going to be an interesting building process for Man United in the summer. They do need some fresh blood in there. You could argue they may need a, a centre midfielder that can do that box-to-box role and, and certainly another striker is, is, is going to be a priority. Well, the news is all good for United. They're fourth and they're only two points off Manchester City. What about Liverpool? How difficult does it make it now for Liverpool in terms of their potential to finish in the top four, given that the gap is now five points to Manchester United and the next game is at the Emirates? What a massive game that's going to be. It is because Arsenal are going to want to cement their place in the top four. You know, five points, you're talking, you're talking a, a, a two-win swing. You're, you're talking about Man United having to, to lose two, Liverpool having to win two just to even, to even catch them up. So at the minute... They would look the definite outsiders. It looks like the, the top four as it stands now is going to be the top four that qualifies for the Champions League. But nevertheless, I think this Liverpool team has grown massively this year. Only their first defeat of this calendar year so far. And the, the, the structure that he's got there, the system that he's had in place for the last few months has served them well. It took a long time to get over the Luis Suarez hangover. But I think in the last three to four months, I think the, the manager is going to be proud of his team and the, the way they've grown. Um, still got great individual talent you look at Raheem Sterling it's going to be interesting to see whether he does sign a new deal because he's going to be a major piece of that jigsaw if they are going to succeed next year finally what can we say about Stephen Gerrard 
a legend of Liverpool. He's had such a glittering career with them. A lot of really good days, some less memorable days against Manchester United. Today was his final chance to face them, and he's got himself sent off for a walking on the leg of Ander Herrera 35 seconds after coming on. You know, I've been one of his, he's still probably my favourite Premier League player over the, the time that I've been playing in the Premier League, and it'd be, it'd be a disaster if his, if his Anfield career sort of tails off now into a, a little bit of a whimper with, with the performance of obviously the red card today. Uh, be great if he could. Sorry, the noise That's the in away support still here. <laughs> We're 20 minutes after the full-time whistle. They are enjoying themselves. Yeah, yeah it just shows you the, the size of this game. It, I, you know, For me, it doesn't get much bigger than this in the Premier League. You're talking about Chelsea v Man City or the, the Manchester derby, the Merseyside derby. I think that today is perhaps the biggest game in the league. Um, the reaction, the atmosphere, the reaction of the Man United fans. But just going back to Stephen Jay, it would be great for him to obviously finish his career as a Liverpool player, winning a little bit of silverware, playing at Wembley. It's just a shame, shame what happened today. I think that was born out of a bit of frustration. Saw him in the warm-up. He wants to still play in every game. I know he's leaving at the end of the season, but he still feels that in these last few games of the season, albeit now it's going to be three games less, that he can still do it at the top level. Stephen, it's been great having you in our company this afternoon. Thanks a million. Cheers, Dave. Thank you. This is the Rewind on News Talk, and that's Stephen Reid speaking to Off the Ball's match day commentator at Anfield, Dave McIntyre. Still to come, more on the rugby and hurling, but first, Hull and Ireland player David Myler spoke to Nathan Murphy after their heartbreaking 3 2 defeat to Chelsea at the KC. The result leaves the Tigers three points clear of the relegation zone, while Chelsea are six points clear at the top of the table. Myler spoke to Nathan about next Sunday's qualifier with Poland, but first, their defeat. To Chelsea. What was the mood in the dressing room afterwards? Obviously proud of the way he fought back, but I guess slightly devastated with the end of it. Yeah, we're just disappointed. You know, um, we've worked so hard against you know the, um, you know who are against the side who were top of the league, and it's just it's just frustrating because you know we've we've gone two 0 down and we fought so hard to get back, and we were resilient you know throughout the game, and you know with some great chances and Courtois made some great saves, and you know and, and then they punished us with slightly green tinted glasses on. From an Irish point of view, you couldn't get a better tune-up for a big match than going out against Matic and Fabregas and Hazard it puts you in good shape ahead of Poland yeah of course um, obviously we were disappointed and you know the last game to lose against Scotland and you know we know that Poland's a massive game you know there's uh, quite a few Polish people you know living in Ireland so there'll be, there'll be a lot of them cheering them on you know it's, 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 it's a fantastic game for us and you know it's a great opportunity to get some you know get a couple more points on the board and you know, we'll be going in a good, you know, a good state, and we'll be looking to win the game. Does it make a difference for you personally when you're playing week in, week out in the Premier League? That does international football and the pace of it come easier? Maybe even international football is a bit slower than what we see out there today. I wouldn't say it's slower because you know, you look at the majority, you know, the Chelsea team. They're littered with internationals playing for some of the best countries in the world, you know, Spain, Brazil, etc. You know, so they're all. You know, it's the same. It's the same. It's the same real pace. Um, you know, it's, it's the same all the time, and you know, we just gotta. We've just got to make sure you know we're ready for Poland, and you know, let's just give them a good game, and I'm sure we can get the job done. Yeah, it's a it's a long week ahead now. Usually there'd be a friendly game in between, but is this a perfect opportunity to get a lot of good work done on the training ground? And maybe if we need to be a bit more positive, if we need to push for a win against Poland, that we can work out new systems and you get a lot of time together. Yeah, well, we're every game we go into play, we're looking to win. It's not a case of we're just you know we're not just the Irish, we're not here just to turn up and. You know that's not the case. We're going. We're going to win games. We went to Scotland to win the game. You know we're unfortunate on the night. You know they they had a good set piece that um, ended up beating us. But look, we're we'll getting in training tomorrow. Um, 
managers obviously bring us all together and then we'll start you know, preparing for the Sunday's game against Poland and you know, we're looking forward to it it's going to be brilliant and you know we've got to make sure that we win the game yeah you've played a couple of games at right back for Ireland have you spoken to much much with Martin about where he sees you and what your prefer- his preferred role for you is or man- I know you're going to say you don't care where you play yeah well of course any any player who plays for Ireland should shouldn't you know shouldn't matter where you play for Ireland um, likewise when I played against you know Gibraltar and, and Germany and that's just the way it is but says me good old buddy Shami Commons Ireland's number one right back he's probably arguably I would say today. yeah I know I've seen he scored the winner don't worry you'll be getting a text in a minute <laughs> Shami's arguably the best um, right back in the Premier League for me um, and uh, he's right back for Ireland uh, the manager knows that I'm, I'm a midfielder I played midfield for him for you know for Sunderland and he knows I played midfield for him for um, Ireland just on the occasion we were a bit short so I had to do a job for him and I happily obliged. This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was David Myler speaking to Nathan Murphy. Former Ireland international John Anderson watched that game for Off the Ball. We'll get his thoughts shortly on Ireland against Poland but first, we asked him if he can see anyone catching Chelsea at the top. Look, it's, it's Chelsea's to blow away. I, I still think even if, if Arsenal were to do that and which is very, very unlikely to win all the remaining games even though they're, they're on the run that they're on. Uh, I just can't see Chelsea losing it. All eyes now switching to the international scene and the crucial European Championship qualifier against Poland on Sunday evening. We saw Paul McShane in action here today, had a, a decent game. David Myler was well involved. Robbie Brady back from injury as well. What are your thoughts on Ireland against Poland and what Ireland need to do? Well, what we need to do is win it. You know, That's what Martin O'Neill has said, yeah. that it, it is already yeah. a must-win game and that brings huge pressure, something that a lot of these players probably Absol- aren't very well coping with yeah absolutely you know I, I think I agree with him I think it is a must win game you know I, I think the the result in Scotland when we lost one nothing you know didn't help us I thought we were negative on the night I thought we went to try and dig a result out to, to settle for a draw um, but we've got to be more positive against the Polish side who are who are decent Look, let's not get away from that fact they're, they're a good side you know it's not going to be easy um, and I just think it's a game that we have to win. I think if we lose this one, because you can just see the Germans are only going to get better. You know, they will get better game from game. They haven't had the best of, of campaigns so far, but you would still expect them to qualify. So I think, I think it's a must-win game on Sunday. This is the Rewind on News Talk, and that was John Anderson speaking to Off the Ball's match day commentator at the KC Stadium, Nathan Murphy. Remember, we'll have all the latest from the Ireland camp across the week here on News Talk. Hurling now, and yesterday Waterford earned promotion from Division 1B with a 22 points to 16 win over Wexford at Innovate Wexford Park. After the game, South East Radio's Liam Spratt spoke with Wexford boss Liam Dunn, but first, here's Derek McGrath speaking with Tomas McCarthy of WLRFM. It's probably a, a bit of a cliched mantra now to trot out that we we're just concentrating on getting better every performance and I think we've done that throughout the league so look when the league draw was, was made and we had Wexford uh, Offaly and Limerick away I think that led most people to of, of kind of reasonable uh, opinion to suggest like, that we were third in the pecking order and we didn't actually use that as a motivation or anything we just decided that we'd as a group we'd work as hard as we could and we came today and we played well and they, we implemented a a uh, particular structure and game plan and it worked you know and that's that's a good day for everyone but you know um, 1A is very very unforgiving I think uh, correct me if I'm wrong but I think four points got us relegated last year I think four points got someone into a quarter final today so you know it's, it's it, that's the way it's going to be next year and I'm, I'm calling me pragmatic or realistic or, or mad but that's the way it'll be next year as well it'll go down to the last game in 1A so but we're 
in, essentially what we're delighted with is the application of our lads in terms of the togetherness and unity and spirit that we have and and they can hurl as well which is good you know we've, we've a nice little team there you know and I don't want to be kind of deliberately building up them as being a nice little team or a young team they are what they are and and ably and well led I thought by Michael Walsh and Kevin Moore and the more experienced guys and the fusion worked today but we just need to attack next Sunday now see where that brings us because it's a great experience to get you know a, a Division 1A team down to Welsh Park it's a strong word of indication and it's a word that I kind of you know I, I think it, I, I wouldn't like to discredit any of the guys that are not or have been left off the panel and talk about them in derogatory terms because I don't think it's because they are not on the panel that we are promoted I think it's because it was a definite the change in, 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 in not methodologies but in, in direction if you like and and I, I think my vision or our vision I should use the word my our vision probably didn't <laughs> parallel with the county board's vision in that given financial constraints they probably wanted us back up in one day straight away whereas I would feel that the team is at a at a at a at a, at a stage where it will take three to four years to possibly compete for an all and that's my genuine and sometimes when you trot that out people think that you're actually just looking for time. When you hear the word transition or team building or we're building something here, people don't. But I think the people of Wexford have bought into what Liam has done in that respect. You know, I, you know, and I think if we could just get buy-in from our people on that, it'd be fantastic. You know, this will this this will take time. You know, I'm, yeah. and, and that's the rea- regardless of what happened today, this will take time. You know, one of the areas you have changed, Eric, is the defence, and you have some couple of young leaders come to the fore. Barry Coughlin and Ty DeBurk at the heart of that defence. I think you've only conceded one goal in open play and only eight points from play out, out there today. Yeah, and look, if you analyse Barry Coughlin again, I'd, I'd say I was very naive myself. Or very, um, I probably discredited Barry Coughlin last year. I've had Barry Coughlin in school since he's 12 years of age and he's taken down some of the best colleges players over the years in terms of man marking in the Warfare Championship. He takes down all the best players. And yet last year, Alan Cadding gave him a bit of trouble, we say, and we, we substituted him and we, we didn't play him again the next day. And I think his confidence level drops. And I think we, weren't, we were the ones that should have persisted with, with Barry and Tyg is obviously a, But I think the key to all good young players and all good young teams, like, like all the teams that are there at the moment, Galway included, is that you're dealing with extremely intelligent young men and are very, very humble and nice young men as well, which is... Toy Burke and Barry Cochran actually salt the young lads that are just just want to learn, and I think we all want to learn. And I think the day you don't admit that, you're in you're in bother, you know. I think you've said to me in the past, Liam, that when we're ready for Division One A, we will be in Division One A. And you know, Waterford were outstanding today. In fairness, weren't they? Yeah, look, you have to give credit where credit is due, and um, you know they were the better team. I suppose, Liam, to be honest, apart from the first maybe 15 minutes when we. It was tit for tat there, it was probably five or six points to four, six, five, I'm not sure now, but um, we were in the game. But after that, you know, they went two points, three points, four points, and they seemed to always have that six point cushion, you know. But um, they played very well, to be fair to them, you know. And uh, as I said to you, Liam, we'll go up to the visual day where we're ready, like, but I, I felt we were ready enough yeah. today now to, to up. But the bottom line, you have to put in a performance, and and that didn't happen for us today, you know. But a lot of disappointed guys in the dressing room. But look, at, we have a week to turn it around. You know, you've just informed me there. We've Cork now in, um, you know, another massive game as well. As a hurler, Liam, and I hurled for 16 years for Wexford. And, you know, when you have a day and it doesn't go right for you, you know, there's always another day. And you get an opportunity to put it right. But look, at disappointed we didn't take the step, Liam, to go up. To go up. But look, at, we're in 1B and who's to say that... Kilkenny won't be down in Division 1B next year along with ourselves in Limerick and Offaly and Leash so 
it's a competitive division. With the new format now, you have a chance, the lads have a ta- chance, a bit of redemption, so to speak, a bit of, you know, a week, get it out of the system, get out and prove that today was just maybe a blip in their mind or your own mind. And to be fair to the lads, Liam, even though in the game we lost against Limerick, every game like we put in a good performance. I know we left Wexford Park here five weeks ago and we'd beat Nantum by a point, but we were down to 14 men and we played some very good passes as a hurling you couldn't really say that today. Like we, were, we looked like a team that hurled under pressure at times. You know, we made simple mistakes, hand passing the ball into putting other guys under pressure. It was nearly like we were we, we were passing the responsibility at times to somebody else. You know, the rough ball all day, whatever we're coming out with it, ball after ball after ball. But but now really, Liam, you know, we lost the battle today. But you know, there's a war next week to be won, and we'll push ourselves down. We train in UCD in Dublin on Tuesday night. We look forward to next weekend. This is the Rewind on News Talk and that's Liam Dunn of Wexford. Before him you heard from Waterford manager Derek McGrath. A good day for the Dacia who go up Wexford remain in Division 1B. Clare or Kilkenny will play in 1B next season. They meet again next week in the relegation playoff. Yesterday the Cats overcame the banner 220-219 to at Nolan Park. After the game, Brian Cody and first Davies Fitzgerald spoke to Casey Allor. We've a mountain to climb, you know, all their seven players have to come back in and our performance today wouldn't be, wouldn't be near good enough. But so, I think big thing for us is Conor McGrath, Hamstring and Colin Galvin Hamstring. That's, that's two big players for us, you know. And you're already without your two wing backs to say, Brendan Bowden, Pat they're still out of it. Yeah, they'll, they'll be out as well, more than likely for another half so. Um That's... That's the way that's that's all I like, you know. So you got a very good start, and I suppose you went five points clear when Shane got that goal. Yeah, we um, we played some nice passes, but like I think you'll see, it was our errors that gave away the two goals, like again. And um, probably the same with that every error was cost us, and same thing today. We just made mistakes, you know. But I wouldn't say worked with them boys. They work so hard. I'm I'm wicked proud of them, no matter what the story is. A great bunch of guys, and we keep knocking at the door. Whether we go down to 1B or not, I don't care. We'll be trying not to. But if we do, we do. And we just cooperate and drive on. You have experience, of course, as well of a relegation playoff before. Does that help for you? Ah, sure. You've been there before, you know. It's just like, you don't particularly want to be there. I'm sure you don't want to be there either. Like, you know, um, it's very funny how the teams have won the last two All-Irelands are in the relegation playoff. Like, you know, so... Like, I suppose it's looking like it's odds on for us to go down, but you never know. Is there a kind of a message in that that the teams are one of the last two All-Irelands that it takes a lot out of t- or a lot of effort goes in and it's it takes it does, a while like, to step like, Even with us, like we have three under-21s and one and a senior, it's like you have that enthusiasm. Very important to have massive, massive enthusiasm but it's very important to have, like it's very hard to have it all the time. So it is, you know, to keep asking young fellas to go back, go back, go back and like we have a lot of young fellas so we do you know so we've got to be careful there's only so many times we can go to the well and probably last year I went to the well a bit early too much you know is it Colin Gallon definitely goes to America or is it a decision um, listen we've talked to Colin we'll be talking to him after next week like Colin had said this to me ages ago right and um, Colin the relationship I have with him is absolutely fantastic we've talked about it all the time and what we said is we talk about it after the league right um Obviously, there's so many different rumours going around. The next point is that we'd love him to stay. Super lad. And as I said, the relationship is brilliant with him. We'll see after the league. Like, um, and if he does, listen, the clear camp wouldn't say a word to him. We'll, and we welcome him back when he gets back um, afterwards. That's, that's the way we will be, you know.
but obviously if he does go, he'd be a massive loss coming into the championship. Of course, for sure, wouldn't any team if a player goes away, you know, but he's 21 or 2 years of age, like, let's, let's give the fact... I'm not going to be down any of my players no matter what you say. Like I, I have great time for them all, and that's, that's the way it is. I wouldn't say a bad word against well, I mean, it was a different result anyway, yeah, for certain, you know. Um, we did some... Everything about the last two weeks wasn't bad either, you know. Um, it wasn't as if we haven't been doing some good hurt, and we have. Um, today, was a, today was obviously a very good performance, yeah, and a um, good result. Obviously, we knew today, starting today, we're going to play next weekend again in a kind of a do-or-die game, and... But today, you know, we went out to try and perform as we always try to perform and obviously there was this competition for places and you know, um, we we got um, we got a good performance and a good result. How disappointing would the relegation be? How much of a blow would you think it might be to play? Well, I suppose uh, we don't want to be relegated, but I suppose um, if we are relegated or if Clare is relegated, um, either to Kenny or Clare could still be in the league next year. That's the reality of it where the league is, so who knows, you know. If you win one bill you'll be in the quarterfinals or? Depending on where we finish in the top, whatever it is, you know, um, who knows? But we're not in it this year. Do we want to win next Sunday? Of course, we want to win next Sunday. Do Clare want to win? Of course, they want to win. So I wasn't expecting to see all you fellas here today, but hopefully, see you next week. This is the Rewind on News Talk, and that was Davy Fitzgerald and Brian Cody, who meet again next week. As you heard, it remains uncertain if Colm Gallivan will be around for the summer. He'd be a huge loss to Clare if he was to go. But he's a young man, so you couldn't blame him for taking a little break if he chooses to do so. Remember, it's an amateur sport. Let's move, Well, it's an amateur sport, but they don't have an amateur attitude. They're full-time, and that's kind of the point. Anyway, let's move to Dublin. And uh, they beat Galway yesterday, which means they have a quarter-final against Limerick next week. After their 26 points to 214 victory over the Tribesmen at Parnell Park, Jerk Cunningham spoke to us. Well, we were looking at quarter-final all the time. We never mentioned anything to do with relegation. Like we had started well. We've given ourselves a good chance of winning the first two matches. It's taken us two more to get to this, to get to there, three more to get to the quarterfinal. But uh, we're happy where we are. Again, a very good team effort and all the subs that, uh, that we had today came on, impacting the performance again today. So you know that's we're building, trying to build a build a, build a, build a, a squad and that the guys can to not have the team can impact when they come on. So very happy, and very encouraged. So like anything, you know, we were playing in the competition. You know, we I think from our point of view, it's great to play at this level. The, the matches are very very competitive. Uh, you know, it's great that we've secured our. Uh, or um, Division 1 status for next year unless they change their own format again um, but again you know we're in the competition we're in the quarterfinal next Sunday looking forward to it Chair I know we ask you this every week but would it be accurate in saying that you've come to some sort of resolution on the captaincy yeah yeah we have we have we've uh, you know we gave it a couple of weeks and we gave people a chance to put their hand up and we're trying to develop some leaders in the team but um, we're going to have joint captains this year in Dublin have, done, have gone this road before with joint captains and uh, Liam Rush and Peter Kelly are the joint captains okay, and what do you see in those Peter Kelly in particular a particularly good game there and uh, you know they're you know they're, they're they're two Dublin's best players. You know they're they're the leaders of the team really. They're the inspiration guys, and uh, you know people, the players look up to them. Uh, you know two class players, two all stars. You know what I mean? That that's um, I don't have to say too much more about them. They're leaders in the dressing room, and uh, you know once we can bring that to the field, you know two two very good characters. This is the rewind on News Talk, and that was Jer Cunningham speaking after their win over Galway. They meet Limerick in the quarterfinals next week. Remember, you can contact us at any stage during the week on Monday Rewind at Newstalk.com. Back to rugby now and what a weekend for the Irish. We've already heard from the men's team but the women's team were also successful and their coach Tom Tierney joins us. Tom, um, when you took over this, I suppose, mix of players at the start of the year, some experience but a lot of youth coming in following the retirements of many of the big names including uh, Fiona Coughlin, did you really expect to win a championship in your first season? Um, I suppose, you know, looking back at it now, um, there was always the hope 
that if we, uh, you know, that if we um, really built on the, um, you know, the foundations that were already there from the from the previous years, that um, you know, that hopefully we would have unearthed a couple of uh, quality players from uh, from uh, from outside the uh, the system already, and then you know, hopefully then on top of that, get um, the the senior players to you know to take the next step for themselves, and uh, and thankfully we have, we've um, you know, we, we we couldn't have been uh, luckier with the the quality of player that uh, we unearthed, unearthed this year. But also in the um, you know the, the the responsibility and the and the drive that the uh, the senior players that are still there have shown has been absolutely fantastic. So it is uh, it was always a goal, it was always a hope, but for it to to to, to become reality is uh, is hugely uh, hugely satisfying. Now England didn't do you the favour that you needed on Saturday night, so you had to go and do it yourselves. What was the message to the players before you went out against Scotland because you needed a win and a big one at that as well. Yeah, we, you know, obviously, you know, we, 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 what we do is we, we, we plan for the worst case scenario, and the worst case scenario was uh, France winning. Um, you know, we, we, we knew Saturday night that we, we, we needed to score um, 27 points, um, and uh, we just went about our business very, very professionally. Um, we were, we were lucky in a, in the sense that Scotland played poorly, um, but having said that, we can only play what's put in front of us. But uh, the most pleasing part was that the girls really, really took ownership of the of the day yesterday and really drove on and. They they never took the, the foot off the pedal, which is uh, which is hugely satisfying, especially when you put 73 points in an opposition. What is the difference with this bunch of players? And I'll tie the men in there as well, because normally being favourites and having to kind of run up a big score, well, in the past, I will say, not normally, didn't really favour Ireland. But, but, but your bunch of players and Joe Schmidt's bunch of players, he seemed to embrace that challenge and it seemed to drive Ireland on rather than, than push them down. But I suppose you know we you know, again it's 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 the quality of player and it's the men- mentally and physically they're they're up there with the best in the uh, in the world both men's and women's now at this stage so it's just about you know obviously giving them giving them a platform giving them a you know a focus that you know to go out and just be as good as they can be and um, and thankfully they, they they did and they did it um, so well yesterday that um, you know they should be very very proud of themselves but it's it's a, it's just, it's just great to see that because yeah traditionally Irish teams uh, down through the years when the when, when the favourites tag was put on them or when they had to go for something like a, a points difference of 27, 20, 20, 28 points you know that the, the pressure would have got to them but the pressure didn't get to the Irish team on Saturday and also the uh, the, the Irish team on Sunday so it's uh, hugely pleasing and it's uh, it's you know rugby both men men's and women's is in a in a, in a very healthy state in Ireland at the moment. Where do you want it to go from here? Well, I suppose you know coming into a new job uh, in the short term, it was just about getting through the Six Nations and being as competitive as we could be. Um, hopefully, unearthing a few new uh, new players, which uh, which I feel we have, um, and then just you know putting the responsibility on the senior players that, are, that 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 are still in the squad and see can they really drive the environment. That was the that was the goal in the short term. Um, thankfully, you know everything obviously it it, it pretty much went to plan. Um, you know, winning the Six Nations is a huge is a huge stepping stone for us. But it, it, it's only one step. Um, the, the the critical factor now is to put a structure in place and uh, and 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 to develop a pathway for 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 Irish women to uh, you know to start rugby careers and, and and know exactly where they're going from a from a club to interprovincial to uh, to international. You know that there is a solid structure in it, there that they can develop and, and and get better. And it'll only it'll only help Irish rugby. It'll only help women's rugby because at the moment you know women's Rugby, you know, both sevens and fifteens is uh, is really taken off worldwide, and um, and Ireland has a huge opportunity to be a world leader in it, and uh, and that's our goal. Tom Tierney, head coach of the Ireland women's team, thanks for joining us.
You're more than welcome. Thank you, Washington. This is the Rewind on News Talk. Remember, you can contact us at any stage during the week on Monday Rewind at Newstalk.com. Tom Tierney, the coach of the Ireland women's team there. What a weekend it was for them. What a weekend it was for the men. What a weekend it was for Ireland. And you know what? It was a weekend that just did not let up, did it, Raf Diallo of Team 33 no, and off not, the ball? Uh, yeah, because on Sunday night we had Barcelona against Real yeah, Madrid. We did. And we it was quite entertaining. It was a great game, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was the quintessential or I suppose cliched uh, game of two halves where Real Madrid were definitely the better team in the first half but didn't take their chances and then Barcelona pretty much edged the second and they could have taken a lot more chances than they kind of gave up you know Neymar particularly was culpable missed about two or three really guilt-edged chances even though he still had a good game but yeah I found it really really enjoyable What was the difference in the end? Was it just the finishing of of Suarez and of course uh the, the the opening goal actually came from quite an unusual source. It not did, a bad, yeah. Not a yeah. bad time to get your first league goal for Yeah, your club, no, not it? a bad time. And I think, as uh, the commentator said, uh, you know, uh, you know, bookmakers were having a field day with that first goal from Jeremy Mathieu. It was a good header, and again, you see Lionel Messi's contribution when he's not scoring goals he can still be central to a team and maybe that's the criticism people have of Ronaldo even though I didn't think Ronaldo was that bad at all he just he was quiet in the second half but yeah Matthew great header from a messy cross and it really you know but at that point you know you kind of looked at it and thought maybe Real Madrid actually should have been ahead because Ronaldo hit the crossbar very very early on or was at the post anyway hit the woodwork and uh, they yeah Madrid kind of dominated that first half and uh, they had so many chances. Little, they were a little bit unlucky as well. You know, Benzema would have put one wide. Bale was also a little bit unlucky with a correct offside call, though, uh, where Ronaldo flicks it on and Bale just happened to be there. But uh, Ronaldo, who happened to be offside, but you know, there were these little, there were these little kind of moments in the game where you, you kind of thought Real should have gone in in front at halftime. But then second half, Barcelona, I thought were were better. They've been in form in the last while, Barcelona. I'm not just referring to last night. I'm not just referring to the game against City. Granted, I'm a bandwagon jumper, so those are the only two games I've seen from Barcelona. No, they, for have, quite been, some time. they have been in good form. They yeah. went on an 11 game winning run before. I think they can't remember who they lost to. It was Malaga, I think. And is actually, that down yeah. to the manager who has received a lot of flack? Well, certainly earlier in the season, or is it down to the players? They're just playing better. Suarez well, has think, obviously played his way in after a, a long time out, a long way to start. Well, there is Suarez's improvement because he wasn't scoring at the beginning, but I think he had, there were mitigating circumstances. He had been banned for biting in the World Cup, and uh, that had gone into the start of this season, which meant he wasn't fully fit. But now. You know, we saw him score against uh, Manchester City and he's getting regular goals now. And uh, it just means the f- trio front line there between with Neymar, Messi and him, it's working very, very nicely. And they're all contributing goals, contributing assists. And it seems to be, you know, they do seem to complement each other because that was the worry because they all are kind of three strikers who or forwards anyway who can be central to a team, but they seem to yeah. be playing and feeding well off each other. And I thought the three of them had a good game. I just thought Neymar could have finished better, um, uh, but other than, other than that, yeah, they're slightly, you know, they're a little bit more impre- impressive than the BBC front line of Real Madrid, uh, Bale, Benzema, and Cristiano. Is there much wrong with Real, or were they just beaten by the better side last night? And keep I, in mind, there was inches in it, literally. I mean, had Ronaldo stepped in, Bale's goal would have stood. Yeah, no, no. I think actually, a draw would have been a high score. Draw would have been a fair result. I don't. I I thought Real were grand considering the poor form they've been in. But maybe that was actually the case. Maybe that there was less pressure on them, knowing that they're in bad form. They're going to the new camp. Um, you know, they, I thought they were grand. And I think Modric, being, Modric was probably the best midfielder on the pitch. 
um, in terms of orchestrating play and mm. I suppose you know that that's a good boost for them because he was missing for those months where they kind of tailed off and I think the uh, what a lot of people think and Ben Littleton on off the ball last week made a really good mm. point that uh, he's because him and Bale used to play together at Tottenham they have an understanding and I think that we might see Bale actually picking up in the second half of the season now that he has Modric beside him to play the balls into him just before I let you go, you would fancy Barca to see it out now. Four points four clear points, with eight games four, remaining. Yeah, four points clear. I yeah, I would fancy them to do it. Um, actually, when you actually look at Real Madrid's recent record uh, in the league, the last time they won La Liga, I think it was 2012 under Mourinho. I might have that year wrong, but yeah, I think it was 2012. But that's the one time they've won it in about like since 2008. They're not re- they're not a re- they're not a league team. Despite all the great players and the amount of money they've spent, mm. it's actually shocking that they've only won the league title once since two thousand and eight. How can we catch up, and when can we catch up with Team Thirty Three this week? Uh, team Thirty Three, as always, midnight Tuesday and uh, eleven o'clock Friday, and uh, also podcasts out uh, before the show as. As always, as, consistency as always. is important. <laughs> Real, uh, Raf, I, almost call, I almost called you Real Diallo. That would actually be a that good name. That would be a name. great name. A great, great name. Okay. Raf Diallo of Team 33 and Off the Ball. Thanks for joining us on the Rewind podcast. That's it for this week. What a week it has been. The women's team won the Six Nations. Waterford got promotion to Division 1A, but the league and hurling isn't done yet. Either Clare or Kilkenny will go down. The quarterfinals will be played next weekend. The Irish women's hockey team have reached the next stage in their road to Rio. They're into the Olympic qualifiers in June, having won their tournament in Dublin over the weekend. And of course, who can forget Saturday. It's a game that will go down in history, uh, not just in Irish rugby, but also in Irish sport. Uh, Let's relive the excitement of it. This is how we're going to leave you this week. Until next Monday, when we'll review Ireland against Poland in the Euro qualifiers. It takes place next Sunday night at the Aviva. Uh, Take care. Good luck and well done Ireland. We're so, so proud to be Irish today. But then again, we're so, so proud to be Irish every day. Uh, That's extremely cheesy, so I think I'll stay quiet now. Over to you, lads. Well done. An incredible second half performance from Wales, putting 47 points on the board. But will that late concession of a try to Leonardo Sato cost them? Italy 20, Wales 61. We we did hear the the Welsh result, but that doesn't... You're aware of it, but it doesn't affect how you how you how you approach the game. You know, we knew we'd probably have to win by um, a margin. We didn't know what that was going to be, so we just prepared all week to to give ourselves a, the best possible chance of, of scoring points and, and and getting that points difference. Um, you know, and for a lot of us, you know, the last time we were here in Murrayfield, we got beaten, and we know how good Scotland are. So, you know, I think Scotland were good today. They looked really dangerous, especially on counter attack with the likes of Stuart Hogg. Coming back, you know, he ran a lot back and, and made a lot of yards and, and caused us a lot of worry. So, you know, for us to respond to that and, and score the points we did is very, very satisfying. Johnny Gray get him down and then over for the try. Paul O'Connell emerges and the captain scores within four minutes. You know, we built the Wales game up. You know, it was obviously Paulie's hundred cap. It was a, a grand slam potential game. You know, and then we were very disappointed with the. With the performance, you know, we were, we were proud of ourselves the way we came back and, and uh, attacked that game and nearly nearly got a, something of a result. Um, you know, Tuesday was a, a bit of a flat session and Paulie said his words, you know, and, and he's been through this before and, and you know when he talks, he, he's he's speaking the truth and he, he has experience to back it up so you, you, you quickly take on board what he's telling you. So he just told us to, you know, over the next day when we had Wednesday off, just, just think about the game, think about how 
special it could be and then uh, came back in Thursday and had a really good session and today you know there were murmurs like from outside about points difference and all that but he he's been through like many times at Munster you've, you've seen it before you know he's been through those type of games where they needed four tries or whatever and he was just talking about the performance first 10 minutes first first contact in the game your first moment and just try and win that and then go from there and try and build on it so he's he's obviously an incredible leader and we're, we're very lucky to have him lining up out wide for Ireland O'Brien carries it in himself stretches and scores try number two for O'Brien another one for Ireland this title may be theirs you know, I think we executed very well and um, you know, we've done all we could do I think, out there today, so hopefully um, it goes a long way. You've got one hand on this championship, what are you going to do for the next couple of hours? Yeah, we're going to be waiting very anxiously and um, you know, we'll be, our eyes will be glued to the, to the England game. Jerome? Yeah, yeah it's a knock-on, scrum green. Knock-on by? Yeah, by the uh, 15 What blue. a tackle that was by Jimmy so Heasley. Scrum. It... scrum five, green ball. Maybe, <laughs> maybe a championship winning tackle. Oh, it was unbelievable. He's saying he doesn't he doesn't know if he meant it or not. Yeah, I think it was the one flailing arm that got him in the end. But yeah, no, it's just another one of them things that kind of added to today. Yeah. Match is over. It is a record equaling win for Ireland. Scotland have been laid to waste here at Murrayfield. We said a record equaling one. Smiles from Joe Schmidt. Will it be a championship winning one? We were all watching it together, and uh, you know, in a room with you know a couple of hundred people, and then you know to have. I don't know how many people stayed after the game, how many Irish people stayed in the stadium, but to go out and celebrate with them after was, you know, probably the highlight of uh, my career so far. An extraordinary game here at Twickenham is going to end the title after this colossal battle between England and France is going to Ireland. Every player in the squad knows how hard it is to win one game in the Six Nations, let alone a back-to-back championship. So it was mentioned during the week. We were like, you don't, you're not hidden from it. You're aware of, of the potential history and, and how long it's been. You know, you, you can try and shield yourself from it, but it does filter in somehow. Um, but you kind of put it to the side and you just focus on performance by performance. And now you can look back and, and be really proud of, of what we've achieved.